Welcome to the My Hockey Live podcast. It's Brandon Hall and Jake Levin. We're here at the Canton Ice House tonight to uh, cover Barnstable versus Zavarian High School in uh, good old non-league action. Uh, Jake, how you doing? Brandon, I'm doing quite well. Good to hear. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, and we've spent our Valentine's Day uh, this year now together. Yes. Uh, just the two of us. So I think we'll get into a little segment called What We Love About Hockey or, or Who We Love. Um, but we also want to talk a little bit of uh, preview on the Buddy Ferreira Classic. Sure do. It's and the best week of the year coming up. It really is. And then later on in the podcast, we've also got uh, an appearance by Brendan Connolly, uh, who's going to call in uh, and talk a little bit about what was a really terrific game last week uh, between Central Catholic and Waltham. So uh, where do you want to get started? Well, let's start breaking down the Buddy Ferreira Classic. It's the same eight-team field that it's been for the last three years now. Actually, you just mentioned Waltham, huh? This year, it's really a shame that Waltham isn't in the Buddy Ferrer Classic anymore because they would be looking to build on that win over Central Catholic with games against maybe Hingham, maybe BC High uh, in terms of really moving the needle. But they're out. They dropped out at the end of the 2014-15 season, which takes us into our current uh, incarnation of the tournament where Redden replaced them. You still have the same four public schools, the host Falmouth, Hingham, Duxbury and Redding, and the same four Catholic schools, BC High, Austin Prep, Arlington Catholic, and Archbishop Williams. And the matchups this year worked out in a way, so you know how they say that NASCAR begins their season with a Super Bowl Daytona 500? Sure. Well, the Buddy Ferrer Classic is really beginning with its Super Bowl, its best matchup, and that's the Hingham BC High game Saturday at 1 o'clock. That is going to kick this tournament off, and I'd hate to say it's all downhill from there, but... Boy, what a finale that would be. Yeah, it really would be. And, you know, we, we used to say when we were, uh, we were at Silver Lake, we used to call it tournament season, right? So at the beginning of February vacation, you start kicking off these these miniature tournaments. They're going all, all over the state. Buddy Ferrer Classics, obviously, the crown jewel of, of all of them. Uh, and then a lot of rinks have individual tournaments. The teams that play within that rink are going to play against each other in, you know, a four-team play down or something like that. Um, but nothing matches the level of the Buddy Ferrer Classic. Last year was the first year I went to see it. Um, and I'm still amazed at, at what happened in the short amount of time um, at that set of games, um, you know, and the level of talent that was consistently, you know, game in and game out with four games the first day, right? Uh, and then from there on out, the level of talent doesn't drop off. I mean, these kids are playing two or three games in quick succession in a couple of days, and the talent continues to rise and they're, they're rising, going right into the state tournament. So the stakes are high at Buddy Frere, and, and it's a great prep for, for the state tournament. Oftentimes, the winner of that tournament, it doesn't get an automatic bid into the Super 8. But it is essentially, if you win that Buddy Frere Classic, you're proving your worth to the Super 8 committee. Let's say that's BC High on a given year, or Hingham on a given year. I know what happened in 2014. Duxbury was sort of on that bubble periphery on that... 11, 10, maybe 12 or 9 range of the Super 8. Right. They went down to Falmouth, took care of their business with a win over BC High among their uh, wins down there. That got them into the Super 8. Now, this year, I don't think you have a team that can necessarily play its way in to the Super 8. I think BC, BC High is already in, regardless of what happens. I think Hingham is in, regardless of what happens. And even though Hingham, their first game is against BC High, as I said, I don't view that as a must-win for Hingham, 
because even though they do have a lot of ties, they have five ties, it might even be six by now, hmm. they have beaten some of the other teams who are in, the, or I shouldn't say in, but on the bubble, say Burlington, say St. John's of Shrewsbury, teams like that. So BCI and Hingham, I think, are already safely in. The only other team that can really help their case, I think, is Austin Prep, who's in that sort of 6 through 12 range right now. And if you really want to get into a dark horse, I don't think Falmouth is a Super 8 team. But I'm just looking at the bracket, the way it's shaped up. In Falmouth, if they win out and it goes to chalk, they wouldn't have to face Hingham or BC High until the championship game. Let's say Falmouth wins this afternoon against Bridgewater Random, and then let's say they win each of their first two games in the Buddy Ferreira. They play Archie's in round one, and then they'll play either, I believe it's Duxbury, Arlington Catholic in round two. If they can get through those next three games, three more wins, and then beat, let's say it's BC High, who might be the number one overall seed in the Super 8, is, does Falmouth all of a sudden have hold on a second? I'm gonna, a I'm gonna, hold on, I'm going to stop you right there. You think BC High is going to be the number one seed in the Super 8? I think, well, okay, I think BC High, if they win the Buddy Ferrer Classic in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately deal. No way. Get out of here. They will have had to have beaten Hingham. Yep. And they've won the Catholic Conference. I think that certainly matters. Okay. I don't think any of their losses um, are to teams outside of the Super 8 watch list. Not that Central Catholic's one loss is a bad loss. It's Waltham, another team that's trying to play their way on. I could see a scenario where BC High is the number one overall seed, and we got to see how Central does down the stretch. I just think BC High, with that game against Hingham, that is the biggest statement game in terms of not only locking up your spot in the Super 8, and again, I think both teams are already locks, but it, to make a claim for that number one seed. Whew. On the flip side, let's say BC High beats Hingham and then they advance to the final on Thursday night. Let's say Falmouth is there waiting for them, and I don't know if Falmouth can beat BC High. They had a 2-0 lead on CM last week, and they wound up uh, losing that game 3-2. This is not a great CM team. It's a good CM team. It's not a great CM team. Mm-hmm. It's still a Catholic Conference team. I think BC High is on another level. And I'm just looking at Falmouth's resume, winning their league outright for the first time in nine years. Some good non-league wins. Again, they, they play a good non-league schedule. I wouldn't say it's one of the toughest in the state, but it's certainly good and if Falmouth wins out, again, they would need to win this afternoon and three games down in Falmouth. That would get them to 16-3-3. Three, and three. Generally speaking, if you're looking 16 wins, that's about the cutoff for a Super 8 contender, unless you are one of these ridiculous Catholic Conference teams or a Hingham type playing that schedule. I think 16 wins, the most recent of which could have come against BC High, I'd listen to Falmouth's case, and I don't even know if Paul Moore would necessarily make the case for Falmouth, knowing that his team is fully capable of not only winning a couple games in the Division I South tournament, I think being one of the final two teams in the Division I South. Right, and I think if you're Falmouth, you could cruise through D1 South. You never want to say cruise, because it is a single elimination tournament. Sure. All you have to do is run into one goaltender. Right. Who just you yep. know, crushes your dreams? Yeah, right. Or you get into a shootout, or something. <laughs> you know, something stupid like right. that happens. Yeah. Um, but looking at Central Catholic, they've got Westford Academy left, who they beat nine nothing the other night. Yeah, right. Uh, they've got Pope Francis left, who's playing tonight, uh, and then they've got either Malden Catholic or St. Mary's of Lynn. 
and they've beaten Malden Catholic already this season. So I, I think I, I'm thinking Central Catholic wins out. I think they. I that think they, po- that Pope Francis game is another game. Where, and I don't totally discount the Pope from number one overall seed talk too. I think they're safely in the field. Yeah, I think they're in the field too. But Pope, they, they, Central Catholic beat Pope Francis three to one earlier in the season. Now, granted, it was the end of December, so it's a long time ago. But right. you know, at, at the end of the day, Central Catholic's eighteen one and eighteen one and zero right now with three games left. They should be twenty. They should be twenty one twenty one and zero. Going into that last game, I I think I, I don't I, think. I don't know if we are so quick to give them an automatic W over the Pope or I, say Mary's Lynn for that matter, who beat BC High, who beat Hingham, who has several other quality wins within the Catholic Central League. Right, and it's either MC or or, or, or St. Mary's. It so MC it, and, MC. I mean, they're done from the as far as I'm concerned, they're done from the Super Eight. That team needs to go on a run just to get into the Division One North tournament would you want to play a desperate mc team that no no is this is not the mc team of the last you know say four or five years ago but there's still kids on this roster who won a super eight two years ago who were in the super eight the semifinal, if i'm not mistaken just last season right there's still a know-how there and i don't really know what's going on this season i'm not sure anyone does so just just for for my edification, because this never came up for us, we never played any teams outside of the state. Uh, the, sure. the games, so the game against Fairfield College Prep, how does that count against their record towards the for the tournament? It doesn't. Those games don't count for the well, MIA. I'm the wrong correct? person to ask. I think we okay. got to get Jim Clark on. Yeah. One. So my, I, I believe now. I'm sure someone will will send a message to us on Twitter at some point when they hear this, but I, I don't think those games count against their record um, for state tournament purposes. That's an interesting question. But I, but I don't know. I think it only it's only MIA opponents. Um, so because if that, I look at say Pope Francis, they play a lot of teams from outside the state, and I think if you took out all the teams they played from out of state, they'd probably be down around sixteen games or so. That's a guess, and then that's in any given year. Some years it might be only two or three. This year, I want to say it's five or six teams yep, they played from out of state. Right. I'm looking at at Malden Catholic's oh, in MC's Catholic another. Schedule. Yeah. So in I'm MC's looking at Malden Catholic's schedule. They played Del Barton. They played against. Um, I, I saw a game earlier in the season against uh, Mount St. Charles in Rhode Island. Um, you know, I'm looking at this uh, Bishop Girton in New Hampshire, uh, Fairfield College Prep. I don't know how those count for the MIA schedule. I really don't. So, I, you know, if one of I our. I know in football, those don't count towards your uh, rating, RPI. That kind of deal. I don't know in hockey or in basketball or any other sport for that matter. Yeah, we can get one of our intrepid uh, hockey sleuths well, on Clarkie, this one. Clark, Clarky will know. Which is basically Jim Clark. <laughs> so Jim, 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 when you hear this, send us send us a message on Twitter. Send us a DM. Um, so going forward, uh, I, I think uh, I think it's time to get into the love section here. Yes. Can um, I say one last thing about yeah. the Buddy Ferreira? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know they shuffle the matchups every year, so at the first round it's always going to be the four publics will be lined up against. Uh, one of the four Catholics. And this is predetermined uh, at the start of each season. Wouldn't it be something if they would reseed the tournament or simply seed the tournament based on your record heading into Falmouth? And here's what we would have this year. And I was automatically thinking to myself, all right, well, BC High and Hangham will be one and two, and they'll just automatically meet in the final. Not so fast. You want to go by winning percentage, it's the Falmouth Clippers who would be the number one seed. That's interesting. It would go Falmouth, 
BC High 2, Hingham 3, Austin Prep 4, and that's really where you draw the line at Super 8 contenders. Yeah. Duxbury 5, Reading 6. Reading needs some wins down there to uh, stay alive in the Division One North Tournament, uh, might I add. Um, seven Archies, who needs to win out in the regular season to make uh, the Division One South Tournament. And the number eight seed would be Arlington Catholic, who, unless there's some rule I'm unaware of, uh, is eliminated from postseason contention. And this is the first time this happened, I think, in two years uh, that we've had a team already eliminated heading into Falmouth. So as we move on here to the section, um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna lovingly call the uh, the Who Do You Love? Um, so. You know, we, we initially kind of tossed this idea around before we started recording, and it was, you know, what teams do you love uh, going forward as the season progresses uh, going into the tournament? And maybe some players that you love you've had had the pleasure of watching or, or you know, people that have had great seasons that you want to talk about. Um, I, I want to start with a line of forwards okay. that I know that um, they came up on last week's podcast, and I do want to repeat because I, I think what they've done is so remarkable – it's three kids from Blue Hills. Sure. Um, it's Anthony Sarno, Nick Blaney, and Nick Keefe. Um, Sarno has 61 points this season. About three points a game? Yeah. Not bad. Um, his line mate, Blaney, has 51. And his other line mate, Keefe, has 49. That is a line of players. I'd have to assume that's the highest scoring line in the state. I would imagine that that is the highest scoring line in the state. What's Blue Hills' record? Uh, ooh, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> we got to be talking about them as a tournament team, I would hope. And yeah. I believe uh, they're in the Division Two South uh, bracket. <laughs> so Blue Hills is 12-5-1, uh, which is good for second in the Mayflower because Southeastern Regional Votech has had such a good season. Yes. Um, you know, they basically, the, those two teams have kind of traded back and forth um, in years past uh, who the league champion was in the Mayflower. That being said, uh, those three guys... Um, Sarno, Keefe, and Blaney ha- have had terrific seasons. I mean, they got 100 and 161 points on that line, which, yeah, mind-blowing. Um, so that, that's, my, that's three that I love, that I'd love to – I wanted to throw out there. I'll, I'll let you take a turn here now. Well, I'm going to show some love for Patrice Bergeron of the Boston Bruins and his Hart Trophy candidacy, despite being 31st in the league in scoring – uh, as of the taping of this podcast, mm-hmm. if you take Patrice Bergeron off the Bruins, where are they? I think that's where I'm defining my MVP talk. You take Nikita Kucherov and or Steven Stamkos off of Tampa Bay, I still think they're a Stanley Cup contender. Not both, but if you take one, one or the other, off, yeah, sure. Take one away. I think if you take Bergeron off the Bruins, I think he makes Marchand the player he is in large part. So I think you take Bergeron away, you take away, you lessen your second-best offense player in Marchand. I think a lot of the defensive coverage that Bergeron provides, that's gone, so more of a burden on your defenseman. McAvoy, Chara at his uh, tender age of 40. I think you take Bergeron away from the Bruins, and they're a playoff team based on the way things have unfolded this year. But I don't think we're all of a sudden partying like it's you know, 2009, 2010, 2011 again, where this team's a bona fide Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, I don't know that they're necessarily there yet. I think they're a piece or two away. I'm just looking around the league, and who is the team, even in the Eastern Conference, let's forget about the West for a minute, who is the team that you can definitively say, I guess aside from Tampa Bay, and even then, is 
a bigger threat to win the Stanley Cup than the Bruins. Maybe the Penguins, I will grant you, simply because they have a much more recent pedigree than the Bruins. I mean, you've won the last two Stanley Cups. And even within this season, the Penguins, for a little bit, uh, really is late is the middle of January or outside the playoff line. And now all of a sudden they look like, you know, 1980 U.S. teams. Just cannot be beat no matter what you do to them. So I wouldn't want to play Pittsburgh at any point uh, in the first couple of rounds. And fortunately for the Bruins, it looks like they won't have to since they'll be within the Atlantic Division, a playoff structure, and the Penguins won't be a wild card at this point. But I'm just not ready to declare that Pittsburgh or Tampa Bay are that much better than the Bruins in terms of winning the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I don't... Man, I... Washington? I know Washington owns no, the Bruins. Yeah, and no, Washington is out. I'm, I'm totally out on Washington. I have no interest whatsoever in Washington. There's no... Ch- <laughs> There's no chance for Washington. They'll crap themselves like they always do. I, I'm totally, if, I'm so out on Washington. The Capitals show me nothing. They have no heart. There's no soul on that team. They've got a good coach. They've got one of the world's best players and, and nothing. They are mashed potatoes when it comes into the playoffs. They're just soft and mush and there's nothing there. Pittsburgh is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. So they're, I think they are the de facto number one. Tampa is the up. It, I won't call them the upstart, but they're they're going in the right direction. They're going to challenge Pittsburgh. The Bruins, I think, slot in at third or fourth because of that in the East. So, uh, barring well, unless the Bruins do beat out the Lightning, it's going to be Bruins Maple Leafs in all likelihood in round one. It'll be if the Bruins don't catch Tampa Bay, and right now they're a point back, but they have two games at hand. They will play Toronto. Uh, I think we know about the Bruins Maple Leafs. Uh, Somewhat recent postseason history, although you want to talk about uh, different makeup of the teams uh, from 2013, uh, the Maple Leafs in particular. I mean, they gutted it, reach rock bottom, and whatever. Uh, if the Bruins do eke out Tampa, then you are looking at some combination of either the New Jersey Devils, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Flyers, maybe, the Islanders, the did I say the Blue Jackets yet? No, but, uh, yeah. The, the Blue Jackets, none of those teams scare me. No, none whatsoever. But in a country mile. Right. So, in that regard, you could take what should be a cupcake in round one, and, and you know, the Bruins uh, in there. I'm going throughout their history, not necessarily recent history, yep. but uh, you can never take anything for granted nope. uh, with a quote-unquote easy first-round matchup or second for that matter. Look at what the Bruins have done with easy opponents. I mean, look at Buffalo the other night. They, sure. You know, they laid an egg against Buffalo. Sure. I mean, that's they, they do have that they, they have that in them. I don't think they have it in them for a series. Well, you got to hope, if you're the Bruins, get the one seed in the Atlantic. Let Tampa Bay and Toronto beat the snot out of one another. Yeah. You get them in round two, and then I guess you hope that maybe Washington finally solves Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm only for it to all come crashing down in the conference final. Right. That, I think, is the blueprint or the, the map, I guess, for the Bruins and um, getting to the Stanley Cup final, at which point anything can happen. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm still I, – I, the Vegas Golden Knights are not going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I agree on that. I'm sorry. I, yeah. Unbelievable story. Yep. Best story ever <laughs> in terms of an expansion team in any sport. But come on. 
winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, the no first chance. Game. No, if there no. were one sport where it could happen, I guess it is hockey. Right. But come on. Yeah, I don't see that. No. I don't, they, see they, that. They, I don't want to say come back to earth, but they're 6-4 and four over their last 10. Cooled a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. While we're on the topic of, of upstarts and upsets. Yes. Olympic hockey finally started today. Yes, it did. Finally. After yes. how many days of ice dancing we get to watch hockey. So... Group B play was the only play, was the only game were the only games that were on this morning. Uh, we had uh, the United States against Slovenia and the Olympic athletes from Russia against Slovakia. Both of the favorites in that game fell. Well done on uh, Olympic athletes from Russia, by the way. Uh, yeah, I know, right? I, yeah, every t- every time I make a prediction on this podcast, it goes the opposite way. No, so no, no, no. I, the, I just mean simply calling them the Olympic athletes of Russia because yeah. that's what they are. Right. It's not. Russia. Yeah, they are not. Ru- they are not right. the Russian team. And if you saw those uniforms today, they were bootleg. Those are some. <laughs> those are some dusty uniforms. They look like they got pulled out of the clearance rack at PSCO Sports in Easton. Um, so they're, they're wearing like this mock sort of knockoff Red Wings jersey, and it just says Olympic athletes, and then the number in the middle, and then Russia, and the font is really, really small. They're like bad BU jerseys. Uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia lost in regulation time, um, three to two, to Slovakia after being up two nothing. Slovakia, that's a real hockey country. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a real hockey country. But you, you would think that the Olympic athletes from Russia would have gone in there and cruised. You would think. Uh, you would think. And Datsuk then the, playing for them? Did we determine that a few weeks ago? Datsuk is with the Russian team. He is. Yeah, okay. Datsuk the, and Kovalchuk. The Olympic athlete from Russia. Correct. Right. Yeah, the athletes formerly known as Russians. Uh, They'll have, they have a little symbol. Uh, it's five rings. The uh, United States fell to Slovenia, 3-2. to two. That one in overtime. The U.S. was up 2-0 uh, on goals from uh, Brian O'Reilly. I believe it was Brian O'Reilly and uh, Nate Greenway. Can you name any NHL players from Slovenia? From Slovenia. I want to say that Artur Zerbe was from Slovenia. No, he was Latvia. He was Latvia. I got Rats. one. I got one. Yeah? Actually, a very good player. Okay. Anze Kopitar. Okay. Okay. Having said that, Slovenia is not a real hockey country. No, and he's not playing there. No. Uh, it is, you you want to grow the game, and you can't lose to Slovenia. Yeah. I don't care if it's not the best of the best. The United States, with or without NHL players, right. is a top four country in the world at worst in terms of producing hockey talent. I think we all agree Canada's yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any given year, Sweden and Russia might have yep. a better product than the US. But And the Finnish goaltenders. Sure. Right? If you're the United States, you've got a young team. You know that. You bring in yes. Brian Jonta, you bring in um uh the defense the defenseman Wisniewski. You bring in these guys specifically because of their experience. And you go up two nothing and you get fat and happy and you let Slovenia run you wild in, in your zone in the third period. The U.S. was running around, and they, they looked lost on the big ice surface in the third period. The kids looked totally lost. And they got a good young line, the line with Donato, and they played well. Um, but that being said, uh, the U.S. looked really bad in that third period. And they gave up two goals, and they lost in overtime. About a minute into overtime, they went down. So um, moving forward, I know we've got a game to do here. Uh, we've got Barnstable and Zavarian coming up. We've got a, a warm-up clock that's about to start. Um, any final thoughts? No, I just hope uh, this time next week uh, when we're down in Falmouth, we are talking about uh, the U.S. team uh, proving, at the very least, me wrong. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Getting we, back on track. Yeah, hopefully we're in the medal round at that point, yeah. right? Because, um, 
you know, it's, there's nothing, nothing better than international hockey. I mean, Stanley Cup hockey, of course, is the best. Uh, international hockey is a close second for me. With Buddy Ferrer, class cocky, not too bad. We'll, we'll also throw in that as a favorite. With things we love. <laughs> things we love. Olympic hockey, Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Buddy Ferrer Classic. Hey, I so. will say this. The Bruins are on the road next week out west. So by the time we get back from film, if you know around 10 o'clock, the Bruins will just be starting. And it's school vacation week for me. All right. Well, so we're talking. Now we're talking, right? I can stay up all the way till 10 o'clock now. Uh, so that that does it here from uh, the Canton Ice House. Next up, we get a phone call um, with Brendan Connolly. Uh, he's going to be joining the pod to talk a little puck with us. Um, so stick around. Presenting sponsor of the My Hockey Live podcast is Sullivan Tire. Bob Sullivan started Sullivan Tire and Auto Service in 1955 with the aspirations to have a company that treated customers and employees like a member of the family. For over 60 years, we are still a family-owned business and we continue on with this value. We've continued to grow and serve customers throughout New England. Our business consists of neighborhood auto service facilities, commercial truck centers, retread manufacturing facilities, a wholesale division, and a small company that install vehicle lifts, all serving the customer the way Bob Sullivan would have wanted. At Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, each and every person who walks through our door is important. No job is too small and no customer request too big. We will give you prompt, efficient, and quality work provided by highly trained professionals using state-of-the-art equipment. We strive to differentiate ourselves by offering exceptional service, brand-name tires and parts, and the best-trained staff in the industry. With locations throughout New England, go to SullivanTire.com. We're always here to get you there. My Hockey Live podcast is brought to you by Full Spectrum Benefits. Our goal is to deliver benefits differently. We do, and we will continue to do so. We are intensely focused on our clients, and we challenge ourselves to provide our clients with the insights necessary to make critical business decisions. We provide strategic guidance from an independent and unbiased perspective, working with you as a consultant, as your broker, or in collaboration with your broker. Our team works as an extension of your HR and financial team to get a thorough understanding of your business models, internal processes, objectives, daily realities, unique attributes, and preferences. Only then can we deliver a customized approach to build a sustainable employee benefits program that enables you to be a leading employer in the new landscape. Full Spectrum Benefits. Contact us at 844-704-4644 or our website, fullspectrumbenefits.com. Welcome back to the My Hockey Live podcast. I'm joined alongside right now by Brendan Connolly, who's calling in. Uh, you can find Brendan on Twitter, at BCon63. You can also find his work in the Boston Herald on WATD 95.9, uh, the Patriot Ledger, and the NHL Network. Uh, Brendan, welcome aboard. Well, that's quite the introduction. I have been on the NHL Network once for a feature I did, but that was a cool instance. Um how are you guys? Uh, good, good. Uh, it's been an exciting, uh, exciting week in high school hockey here. Um, specifically, looking at uh, the Waltham versus Central Catholic game that occurred last week. Is uh, you know, I know Jake and I have talked about it, but uh, you know, it was like the down goes Fraser moment um, in uh, in Mass High School hockey right now. Uh, Waltham defeats Central Catholic one nothing last Thursday. Yeah, I'd say that was certainly one of the best games in the of the whole season for Massachusetts hockey uh, a lot of people out there thought Central Catholic might be the first team to pull off the undefeated campaign for the first time since Catholic Memorial did back in 1998 and they're only a couple games away from doing so and 
Then uh, Waltham defended their turf like they've done all season at Veterans Memorial Rank, just off 95 up there, and uh, they pulled off the upset, and it really has kind of thrown a monkey wrench into the standings, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting to see that you look at you know the um, the Super Eight watch lists and you see Central Catholic was at the very top or, or would have been at the very top if it were done um, by strength of schedule and by you know RPI and everything else and certainly by record. Um, and Waltham was in there. Um, do you think this cements Waltham's case as a Super Eight team? Well, going into this game against Central Catholic, it certainly doesn't hurt their kit cause. That's for sure. They uh, they were a team I thought that was on kind of the outside fringe of the conversation going into that game. Um, but as we know, uh, picking up wins against teams of that caliber really can launch you very quickly. Um, Waltham, I, I think they were certainly definitely worthy of the discussion. But now I think you definitely have to add them into the conversation at least just to – especially with you know some of the other things that have been going on this past week, I think – they're certainly one of the teams to watch. I don't know if they're uh, cemented in that slot yet, but uh, if there was a team to definitely watch out for in the next uh, week or and a half or so as we close in on the end of the regular season, I think they the Hawks are definitely up there. Yeah, and who do you see as kind of the their their top player, the guy that you know that, that's sort of the backbone of their team? Is it Kyle Penton? Uh, he had thirty one saves the other night against against Central Catholic. I mean, you can't argue that against a team like Central Catholic, he. He looked astounding out there, um, especially given the volume of shots they put up against him uh, and the chances they had. I definitely would say Kyle is definitely one of the leaders, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well in terms of their vocal leadership. He was very, I don't want to say cocky, I want to say confident in his team and his game, especially after they won. He wanted to emphasize that, this is this Waltham team is definitely one not to be taken lightly, and that they feel like they can compete with anyone in the state. Yeah, they certainly showed that in their victory over Central Catholic. Uh, it just incredible, incredible moment for them as a program. Um, you know, to, to <laughs> Central Catholic was sixteen and zero at that point, um, and they had lost to Central Catholic. Waltham had lost to Central Catholic five to two. Um, you know, earlier in January. Um, mm-hmm. My, I, I guess, uh, you know, to kind of wrap things up, to put a bow on this, uh, where do you see both teams headed um, moving forward? You know, what's the, what's the trajectory for both teams as the season winds up here? Well, I mean, I can't argue Central Catholic uh, being against, or I should say I should not argue that they're still not the number one team. They're, that's their only blemish on their record. Um, I think they're going to be the clear number one team going into the Super 8. We'll, we'll see how uh, the committee stacks it up and how they decide to put the teams out there. But uh, I do think Central Catholic has an easy ride into the Super 8, and I think they're pretty much locked in at that number one slot. As for Waltham, I, there's still some time to go. Uh, head coach John McGuire was talking about how they had a couple mistakes earlier in their season that may end up hurting them down the stretch here. But um I do think uh, they certainly have a very good shot, and it's much, much higher than it was about a week ago or so. Yeah, and and you um, to and final final on this one, uh, your Twitter account at, at bcon sixty three, uh, you had a really cool video of uh, the very the, the waning seconds of the game where the Waltham players are you know as the horn sounds, they're jumping over the bench and mobbing their goalie. Um, there's really nothing better than that in high school sports. Um, a, a huge win, an unexpected win, or a, a tournament victory where you know the the, uh, the 
the the agony of defeat and the, the, and the thrill of victory kind of thing from the old wide world of sports but um just a really cool moment so check please do go and check that video out on on brendan's twitter account so brendan now i, I do want to ask you uh well i got you here about d1 and d2 um the larger d1 and d2 tournaments away from the d1a super eights um which teams have you seen uh that that you would suspect would be contenders uh moving forward so for other teams in the D1 field outside of the Super 8, um, I, like I said, the most common team I've covered so far this year, especially working at WATD and working for the Herald and having to focus on those Super 8 fringe teams was definitely Hingham. But I think they're starting to make their case that they belong in that Super 8 field. So as for teams outside of that, um, you know, I, I've been look. I covered uh, Medford as well earlier this season, and they also played Danvers. Some very uh, tough teams out there uh, that I think could um, impact those outside Super Eight fields. Um, other schools on the South Shore, for instance, I know Marshfield. Despite losing all of their talent um, last year, it seemed like they just keep reloading, and Dan Connolly continues to do an incredible job down there. Um, they still, I still think Marshfield, Duxbury, those South Shore teams can cause some havoc in those fields for D1, of course. Um, then, uh, of course, we got the other teams that are just hanging on the outside, basically, like, you know, Natick, St. John, well, Arlington, some of these teams. We'll see how that goes, uh, see if they are able to squeak in. But there's a couple teams out there that I would certainly keep my eye on, and that's just a quick, brief list in D1 for me. Yeah, and moving on to D2, um, it seems like it's uh, there's a couple of horses down on the South Shore, uh, Plymouth South and Canton. Um, yeah. Although Canton did lose to Oliver Rames the other night, uh, which was a little bit of an upset. Um, so, so those are kind of the two big ones in the South. Uh, in the North, it appears there's you know several uh, potential uh, state championship caliber teams. Um, any thoughts up there? Well, actually, I do have to correct myself. I mixed up Danvers and Medford played each other earlier in the season, and I, for some reason, was just confusing them, thinking they were in the same division. But Danvers at fifteen and one apparently is a D two contender. It looks like, um, and I do think they are certainly a team to watch in that field. Like you just said, uh, teams like Canton, Plymouth South, even the Southeastern West Bridgewater Co op have been doing very well in that D two field. Uh, so couple teams up there I'm keeping my eye on, especially being in the South Shore area here. Um, obviously, Danvers isn't, but Plymouth South, that West Bridgewater Southeastern co-op, I've been keeping an eye on them. And uh, I certainly think they can uh, cause some problems going forward. And then, of course, we have some other dark horses that always seem to, once they get into that field, especially, um, you know, like the likes of Situate yeah, or yeah. Medway, these teams that always seem to be on the very fringe of the D2 field, and then all of a sudden they just get hot at the right time. I, I always keep an eye out on those ones as well, just in case, you know, you never know with them. Yeah, and I would throw in Westwood um, in, into that mix. They they just, they're always there, they're always around, you never know. Uh, they, it's like they live for the tournament. Um, and I think Westwood holds the state record for most consecutive um, appearances in the state tournament. Um, I, I might and Westwood to... has actually got a pretty decent record this year, 11-4-2, as of, I think, earlier this week. So um, they actually have the record to back it up this year. Um, some of the other teams I just mentioned have like, have like 
eight and five or nine and five records that you wouldn't be thinking of at this time. And they just sneak up on you. But Westwood has performed well to this point in the season. And they certainly are a potential contender in my eyes for D2. Yeah. And then, and moving on to, to some players, uh, who, who you got that you've seen that, uh, that's impressed you or ki- kids to watch, maybe take a look at as the state tournament starts to, starts to shape up. Well, for Super 8 purposes, um, in Central Catholic, for instance, like their goalie, Matt Pasquale, has just been astounding his whole career. Um, he, he, he may have uh, given up that very uh, difficult goal the other night to Connor Blanchard and Waltham, but um, Pasquale, if he gets hot, there's n- getting almost nothing you can get past him. And you can basically ride him until probably the state title if he gets hot at the right time. Uh, other teams, you know, out there, um, like I said, I've covered Hingham a lot. Marshall Terrace, this guy has been catching fire at the right time. It seems like he puts up a hat trick every single time I make my way down to Pilgrim. Um, I don't know if he's been getting enough, a lot of play, but recently he's been stepping it up and he has just um, really taken over the Harbor men's reins and kind of single-handedly carried them to this point. Um, definitely a guy I'd keep my eye out for in the, if they – if let's say the Harbor were to make it into the Super Eight, that's a player I feel that could completely change the uh, outlook on it. Yeah, and I would like to uh, to just add to that the uh, looking at and this is at Blue Hills, um, a D three team. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a line at Blue Hills right now: uh, Anthony Sarno, um, pardon me, uh, Nick Blarney, and Nick Keefe that combined each of the. So this is this is their point. These are their point totals. Sarno has 61 points. Uh, Blarney has 51 and Keefe has 49. I say uh, that's decent. <laughs> I mean, there were years where I coached at Silver Lake where we didn't score uh, 60 goals in the season. Uh, and, and that's, you know, through no one's fault. Sometimes you just have lower years. But to have those guys with 50, you know, near 50 and 60 points, that's insane. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a product of the league that they're in. But there's real talent there. That could be a that's a line to, to that could be a force. And then uh, Mike Flaherty uh, out of Rockland. He's a senior. His dad is uh, Mike Flaherty. I was just about to say, you got to yeah. watch out for Rockland this year. It's They're having their best season overall in a long time. Uh, Hanover, too, as well. Uh, it seems like it, it, these teams from that little hotbed there could cause problems and go figure their neighboring towns in a uh, very competitive market area for hockey, and yet they just continue to roll. So if yeah. you're looking at teams in D3, definitely, obviously at this point, you're obviously looking at Hanover and Rockland, but I do like the uh, Blue Hills note there. It's certainly one to keep an eye out for, because if you were to look at some of the rankings out there for D3, Blue Hills isn't really that high on a lot of the uh, lists out there. Like, for instance, uh, Mass Hockey run by Rick Comfort, obviously one of the best sources out there when it comes to high school hockey he has them ranked down at 14th currently so like another team that could sneak up on you in that line might cause problems yeah and then uh, you know you got mike flaherty at rockland who's got 45 points and then um noah taylor at hanover with 43 and those guys are going to end up playing each other at some point and it might be the south it might be the south final it could be the south semifinal like it was last year uh and that's a shame that that can't be the game in the garden because those probably could be the two best teams in d3 um, I guess to wrap it up, anything, uh, anything you'd like to add, uh, anything you'd like to point out, things that you've seen, uh, or that you'd like to comment on? Well, uh, as we approach the last uh, couple days of the regular season, about a week or so, week and a half left of things, it's only going to ramp up. Uh, 
But I, of course, you can always follow our coverage at the Boston Herald. Uh, Jim Clark does an incredible job. He releases his rankings out once a week or so. Andy's, and Andy's he, a friend of the pod. He is a friend of the pod, and he uh, he should be posting them either, I'm guessing, today. He usually does Mondays or Tuesdays, I believe. Um, he should be posting those up soon, and that's obviously a great source. I like to obviously reach out to my friend Rick Comfort, who's probably the best retweeter in the history of Twitter. Let's just put it that way. Um, and it's always a great source in getting uh, highlights out there, especially ones like the Waltham one we saw the other night. Um, and, of course, our friends at the Globe as well. Like, uh, without these, the hard work uh, each of these companies put in, you know, you, uh, a lot of these uh, schools might not be getting the publicity they deserve. And, obviously, with this time of year, it's an exciting time of year. And I, I personally cannot wait to get out and cover some of these playoff hockey games because it is certainly, in my eyes, the most exciting playoff sport to cover. Yeah, no question about that. I'd also like to throw My Hockey Live in there as well with the coverage that we provide on uh, streaming games and, and things like that. I know we were, you and I were going back and forth over Twitter during the Central Catholic versus Waltham game, and uh, you know Jake and I were covering uh, Zavarian versus Marshfield, uh, streaming on My Hockey Live Channel 1, um, and we've got some really great games coming up. Uh, so you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not a subscriber of My Hockey Live or you want to get a one-day subscription, there's some really, really great games, especially with the, the Buddy Ferreira tournament coming up on the Cape next week. And with the playoffs starting, of course, yeah. you always have to go to My Hockey Live for the programs. Those are such a great source, especially for all journalists who might not be, might just be getting out there for the first time covering these hockey games. And um, I know uh, it is certainly one of the, you know, best detailed uh, best detailed periodicals you can find especially come playoff time yeah and a lot of that credit goes to jake levin he uh he does a tremendous job uh, brendan Connolly, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast you can find brendan on twitter at bcon 63 in the boston herald and on watd 95.9 on the south shore brendan thank you thanks again brandon look to see you in the playoffs thank you for listening to the my hockey live podcast please make sure to like and subscribe on itunes and soundcloud see you next week